0: The Executioners is a podcast about actually getting shit done. On this episode of The Executioners, we talk with Ben Hunt, who's the creator of a great publication called Epsilon Theory, and also the inspiration behind Second Foundation Partners. Uh, He brings an academic background and then joined into the venture capital and private investment space, working at some hedge funds, as well as uh, is a graduate of Vanderbilt and holds a PhD from... Harvard in government. I really like uh, speaking with Ben in this interesting conversation because he comes from a perspective that's outside of traditional finance uh, or even worse from blockchain. So really great to learn from him. Uh, There'll be some legal jargon now and then we'll start the episode. Thanks. Alexander Bloom is the CEO of Atomic Capital. All opinions expressed by Alex or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Atomic Capital. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Alex as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. I think first, Ben, just to uh, get everyone who doesn't know you, Ben's uh, one of the... Writers and head of Epsilon Theory, a great uh, newsletter that goes out about tying history and philosophy to uh, finance, um, but I think probably, Ben, just in your own words, it would be great to hear from you kind of how you've gotten to where you are today and uh, what is making you focus on what you do now.
1: Yeah, sure. No, happy to to, to start from the beginning here. I, I mean, I, I've been in the investment world over the past, gosh, about, about 20 years or so, uh, but that that wasn't where I started, and you know I didn't come out of Wall Street, which I I think was actually you know probably the the, the greatest strength I've had, you know for for whatever success I have had, you know in the investment world. So I you know I, I started off as as an academic. I was um, went up to, to to Harvard and got a PhD and political science of, of, all oxymorons. Um, you know, they don't, they don't even call it political science up there. They call it government. Um, and you know, his, it's, it's this kind of bastard child of, of history and economics. That's what, that's what political science is. And, you know, even the name, you know, science, it's, it, that's an Americanism that, that really started in, you know, the, um, well it started in the you know the the early 1900s and 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 really after after world war 2 that became what you know Americans called this whole field of social of social studies and you know because it it does have this scientific element to it you know and that was the side i was on i was on the economic side i was on the the uh the science side of as opposed to the the historian side of of, of political science and, you know, I got my Ph.D. I was a professor for 10 years. I, I had tenure.
0: A lot of uh, studying time. It's different than, I think, running a finance group.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is very different. And, and but I tell you what's what's wonderful about starting with an academic career is that you're building your intellectual capital. You know, it's, this is this is something that, uh, that that Henry Kissinger used to say, which was that, you know, all the time he spent in academia. He was building his intellectual capital. And then as soon as he went to Washington, he was spending it. And, and, and I think that's true. And I, and I think that's probably true for a lot of uh, you know, the listeners to this podcast. I, 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 what I always try to tell people, especially the you know, people who are wanting to get into investing and the like, I, I, I tell them it's so important to, to take some time early in your career and just focus on building your intellectual capital to just being a sponge and just, just learning, you know, there'll, there'll be plenty of time for you to have your own opinions and your own voice and, and to, um, you know, to spend that intellectual capital later. But it's, it's, it's so hard to grow your intellectual capital later in life. It's like, uh, you know, it's like going on a diet, right? It's, 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 it's easy to lose some weight when you're young. Uh, it's really hard when you get older it's the same with, with, with building your intellectual capital. It's, uh, it's easy to build when you're young. and It's a lot harder when you get old.
0: What do you mean when you say intellectual capital? What does that really mean to you?
1: It literally means reading. It means uh, studying with, with other people. It means, it, it, it means not trying to impose your own ideas about how the world works, but to, to just be a sponge and just to absorb vociferously. Right, I, I mean, it 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 is something. You'll see this from a lot of people, you know. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are always talking about how much they read, you know, even at, at their advanced ages. And and you know, God bless them, and and good for them. And it's true. I, th- I think that that continuing to read and absorb material is so important. But. Gosh, as you get older, it's just it's it's just so much it's so much harder. It 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 really is a matter of building out your toolkits. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a toolkit not just of learning the maths, uh, you know, as they as they say, you know, in in the UK, but it but it's also a matter of 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 reading the histories. It really is a matter of 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 learning and uh, building that 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 core canon of knowledge. Just as widely and powerfully as you can.
0: Gotcha. So you built up this canon for a while in academia, and then why did, how did something change?
1: Well, the, the the problem for me was that I always had the entrepreneurial bug, and and you know if anybody shares that affliction, you know it is a bug. It's not a feature, right? It's, it's something you're you're born with, and you just can't help yourself. But to to, to to think as an entrepreneur, Alex, I I know you've got that same bug. We're working for other
0: people or listening. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, on the, on one respect academia is a is a great career for for people like us because there's nobody who tells you what you have to work on. Right? You can you can spend all day reading on a subject and working on something and the like. But the the problem with academia, of course, is that the, you know, the let's call it the financial rewards are 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 are, are pretty darn minuscule. So, uh you know, I, I always had the entrepreneurial bug. I had started a, a, a tech company when I was in grad school. Started another one when I was, you know, first started teaching, and finally left academia because I had a, an opportunity to uh, to, to, to start a, a, a software company. What was it doing? Well, very boring stuff, honestly. It was, uh, which 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 ended up being it's 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 the the savior of it, right? Because we. Yeah, I I left the tenured spot. You know, I left the ivory tower. I still remember this. I mean, it was it was March of 2000. So the day that the Nasdaq burst, right? The the day that the 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 tech bubble burst was exactly you know almost to the day that 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 we started this this software company. But because it was very boring software, I mean, I mean you'll get a kick out of this. It it, it was it is what's called maintenance, repair and operational software for construction equipment, rental companies, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just this incredible niche product, but but it was a really good product and and, and because it was niche because it wasn't a platform or a, you know, didn't have a business, yeah, it was real stuff, right? It was real stuff for real um, for real companies. With a, with a real problem, but but even then, I you know I got to tell you, Alex, and and this again is is what I mean by building intellectual capital and for lack of a better word, paying your dues. You know, we started this company and we had this grand idea of what the what the software that I was writing would do, but what we ended up with was so totally different from what we started with, and what made the difference there was I spent. You know, the better part of six months actually just sitting in uh, a repair bay, a repair garage for a big equi- construction equipment rental company, and just working with the guys there and 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 seeing how they actually did their work. right. So that, so that what we built, the software we built, wasn't from you know my you know ivory tower idea of what was needed but was, was was really informed by what was truly needed, by the people actually doing the work. And and, and that, that made all the difference in the success of our company.
0: Yeah. It reminds me, I was in the Peace Corps before, and then where I lived, there was no phone service. And it wasn't like, I was yeah. just like, I want to make a world-changing phone <coughs> company. It's incredibly boring to think about like telecommunications, or at least it was to me back then. And then it was like, wait, it's really hard to live where there's no phone service. And uh, I think we, you know, grew into a pretty successful company, but the whole problem arose out of a real need, and not just like I want to have a company and be an entrepreneur. And I think that kind of organic approach leads to very different outcomes.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It it really does lead to a completely different outcome. Now, so 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 we built this company, but you know that said, it was a pretty boring company. Right? I mean, we're doing you know schematics for backhoe loaders, and you know. You know, rototillers and, you know, it, 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 so it's I it got to a point where 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 I really wanted to try to apply the, the software we had built to to a, a larger arena. And you know, my, my, my partner at the time I'd once he he really wanted to stay in, in the niche that we had really formed. And I gotta tell you, he was he was right. I mean you know we we all have these these visions of our our companies growing into you know these behemoths, whether it's an oracle or a you know a dell or something like that and and we use these kind of pejorative terms like a lifestyle company or or, or something like that to describe the smaller niche companies but you know he was he i'm 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 pretty sure he was right i'm pretty sure he was right but but it wasn't what I wanted to do so so i I sold my, my, my stake in this and uh, started to look at. <laughs> I had always, you know, in addition to being an entrepreneur, I, I've, I've always been a, a, a game player, right? So I love card games. I like, you know, board game, you know, any sort of strategy oriented game, particularly if you can bet money on it. I love it. I just love it, right? So what I really loved about the the game playing of, of, of doing a startup was the, the, the financing of it. And and I, I loved that playing that game. So I I I sold my stake in the software company and then did a couple of years working with um, a venture capital firm and you know, I was always looking at tech companies and you know investing in the, in these small companies. And one of the guys who had had put some money into our company, he was uh, the head of research for a large public investing company. And, you know, we were always talking about, you know, ideas around technology and, you know, how this would apply in some some publicly traded companies. He said, you know, look, we're we're, we're putting together a, a little hedge fund inside our big asset management group. Why don't you come and join me with this and, and then and, and see see if you if you like doing this because this is the biggest game of all right public markets public market investing that's the biggest game in the world and and standing on the board that's right that's right so you know so i came into the investing world really late right like i said i didn't come out of wall street i didn't you know take a a set path you know, to, 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 to go into investing, it, it really was an accidental path. But but I got to tell you, what whatever success I've had in the investment world, I really think comes from having those different experiences and that different perspective. It comes from not being, um, you know, coming out of the street.
0: So you were working there, and then have you devol- evolved from the into this financial world? Uh, you were at this hedge fund, and then is that just been the course you followed or how has that evolved since you've entered into kind of finance more directly?
1: Well, so, so, you know, you, we, we can, we can talk about, you know, great successes and then we can also talk about, you know, what, what doesn't work for us.
0: Yeah. All right. That's more interesting. What, yeah. what really did you
1: screw up? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so the, the hedge fund was an enormous success, right? So we, we, we started it in, um, in January of 05. And so we had, great results in 05 we had great results in 06 we had great results in 07 and then in 2008 we had really great results right so so when the rest of the world kind of collapsed in 2008 that was our banner year right so 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 we i i, I really made my bones right in the in the, the hedge fund world in 2008 cuz we did really well yeah and by really well i mean we were up 20 something percent you know net of Everything. And just out of and, curiosity,
0: like what kind of strategy were you trading that?
1: Well well so, so we we're we we're long short, we're long short equity, right? But but this is what I mean about having a different perspective for not coming out of Wall Street can be so valuable today. I think it's I think it's imperative today. Right? If you just kind of go through the typical path into investing. You you are immersed you're immersed in the buy 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 mentality. You 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 don't learn I'll call it non Wall Street languages. By that I mean you don't learn econometrics, right? You 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 don't you think like linear regression is like some some magical spell as opposed to being like you know the first thing you learn, right? And and it and it's it's not enough. It's not enough to to just do these kind of well I called call kind of naive inductive you know analytical approaches. But but that's like the state of the art, and so where that where it plays out is that if you don't have other perspectives and other toolkits and a broader um, body of intellectual capital that you can bring to bear, if all you've known is Wall Street and that world, then you get sucked into the buy 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 stories that. Are, are just what Wall Street is made out of. You, you start to believe them in your heart of hearts. And, of course, in 2005, 2006, 2007, and into 08, the big buy-buy-buy story was around mortgage-backed securities. And, and, and what, what we were able to do in the hedge fund is to step back a little bit and say, you know what? I can actually read the language that Moody's and Standard & Poor's writes in you know, I, I understand what a Gaussian copula is and I and I understand that this entire edifice, this ten trillion dollar edifice of mortgage backed securities, is in reality based on one assumption. It's like an inverted pyramid that that this massive pyramid that's that's turned upside down and rests on a single point. And that single point is this. It is impossible to have a nationwide decline in home prices. That's it that's that's the assumption that all of it was based on and if that assumption were violated if if you did have a nationwide decline in home prices in the United States the entire the entire pyramid comes tumbling down mm. all of it so so it was that simple recognition being able to read the language of structured securities and then understand well how is that built into the business models of these these companies, right, who do typically financial companies? That's what we did. And it is kind of recognizing that and being able to bring some new information. That's the only thing that drives alpha, you know, outperformance in public markets. Do you have some sort of special or private information? I'm not talking about insider information. I'm not talking about getting... Tipped off by management. I'm talking about. Do you bring something that is not widely distributed and disseminated within the Wall Street community? That's what you need to succeed. When you say information, almost maybe
0: another word is just a a different filter to the to the system as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's 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 the old gamblers. Gamblers like to talk about. You've got to have two things. You've got to know the odds, and you've got to have an edge. And, and and it is always edge and odds, always edge and odds. So you you, you, you got to know the odds, get fair odds, and then have an edge. That's how you succeed in Wall Street.
0: Across both you know, academia and finance, and I think it ties into the blockchain world as well, or something I see often is there's a lot of similarities between blockchain, and uh, I usually use the example of academia, and just it's this echo chamber of specialized language and the same people talking to each other and building this whole – structure. Uh, It's almost like a very high and thin structure that could just topple over. And it seems like you're up in the sky all up there, but it's actually really cloistered off and really not in touch with the real world. I think it's increasing also just like the optimization of algorithms on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, these things, like just what you see. What you seem to be saying is you come from an outside perspective and enter into that system, and then you're able to see things back out in the real world. I wonder also if you have thoughts about how do I like, say I've been working in finance my whole career, um, which thank god i haven 't but the uh point being how do I say i 'm there? how do I go out and see something else
1: well it 's not easy and 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 but but fortunately fortunately it 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 's possible and and that 's because it 's a big world out there right and and so it's it's ev- what's what 's necessary i think is to keep looking for I'll say new paths or new opportunities for you to apply your experiences into someplace new. Right. So so, you know, you can build intellectual capital and a lot of knowledge, right, say in, you know, investment banking, right? And 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 I find that the most success then is to, to apply what you've you've learned there into a uh, you know, a different field, like, you know, private equity. Or, 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 you know, early stage investing or the like, right? But it's always this, but it's always this sort of hybrid experience where you're able to bring what you've learned and absorbed from one area into a new area. That's where you make a difference, right? That, that, it's, it's always that marriage of two things that haven't been married very well before that can make what you add very special.
0: You know, it's interesting when you're talking about moving from academia to finance, That, you know, like we're saying here, like bringing that outside perspective plays a big role in getting some kind of edge over uh, essentially your competitors. But at the same time, you know, I, I also hear you saying you need to accrue information, uh, like you were saying, you know, perhaps people earlier in their careers should build up that intellectual capital, go to school, do things in more academic or more kind of theoretical places, reading, learning, and then move that into kind of application. I guess, especially in the, I think some of the ethos around finance, and then you know different parts of the kind of distributed ledger of blockchain uh, industry, there's a feeling like these guys all screwed up the economy. Like, why am I? Why do I have to learn what they did? Maybe, in fact, it's better I come into it with some ignorance or I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's so wrong. I think that's so wrong. I, I think that there's and-, and look, I thought the same thing when I was you know. You know, and I don't mean to be the old fart, you know, saying, "Oh, when I was raised, blah blah blah," right? But, but, but I do. But, but, but there is an element to that, right? I, I think that there is an there's a natural impatience when you're young, and that's and that it's so misplaced because what you have when you are young is time, right? That's that that's the one thing you have that I will never, I can never get it back, right? It, it's why. It's why I would, I, you know, no one in their right minds would ever switch places with Warren Buffett because he's freaking 80 years old, right? He doesn't have time. And that's, that, that's it, it, it's so important to, to understand that because you do have time, the goal is not to leapfrog ahead. The goal is to start to accrete knowledge and capital from a very young age. Right, and and how do you accrete that capital? You find a mentor. You apprentice yourself to someone who is willing to teach you, right? Because the the whole goal is is is, is that you don't want to make the same mistakes that someone else made, right? The the the, the whole goal here is that, that that many of these mistakes, and I see this particularly in crypto, right? That that that, that it seems like the crypto as a group is hell bent on rediscovering every mistake that's been made in financial services over the last 200 years and it's 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 it's, it's an avoidable mistake but it requires having the patience to allow knowledge and uh, experience to accrete to you rather than try to just do it all yourself
0: yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like we're watching like the history of hundreds of years of finance condensed and uh, sped up. In a certain sense, it could seem like.
1: Well, well, that's, that's right, Ash. Because I mean, the, the the issues that some of the issues that crypto deals with, right, in terms of its place within financial services and its dealings with regulatory um, authorities, right? These 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 are not new problems. And and you know this and again it's 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 so much better if you can learn from the mistakes that other people have made rather than just repeat them all yourself and it, and it gets so frustrating to me when I when I see so many so much of crypto having an attitude that oh that system is broken I can't learn anything from it when in fact <laughs> yeah you know, the yes mistakes have been made. Why are you you don't need to make them again.
0: I guess it makes me wonder if I like can I enter into a system and learn when didn't work from it with also learning the bad habits or, you know, closed off like mindset that's led to those things at the same time?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think that that, that what is important more important than ever in this world is to maintain what I'll call as a critical distance. Hmm. Right, and and it and it goes back, in, and I'm, you can apply this in, in every aspect of your social life, whether it's your job, whether it's your politics, whether it's your own personal investing, what 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 have you, right? And it, and it goes back to this kind of, you know, one of the the you know the the old sayings that you hear in poker, right? Which is if you've been playing for 30 minutes, and you don't know who the sucker is, It's you, <laughs> right? And, and and that that's true for everything we do and, and what I mean by that is is the, the, the that you we're always being played and we're always you know playing other players the important thing is to maintain that critical distance and 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 to understand that there is a that there's a history and a past to whatever institution you're involved with right and to to not go work for Enron and jeff skilling and say oh my god this you know what he's doing is so incredible. I'm going to embrace it, and you end up in prison, right? Or that you, you know, you work for, you know, countrywide, and you know, you say, oh wow, this is the only way that we can, you know, engage in, you know, selling, selling mortgages, then you end up, you know, bankrupting everything. What, my point is is that is that if you can maintain a critical distance. Uh, a wary eye, right? A wary eye to to your employer, to your government, to, to to everything. It is possible to engage with other people and and learn from them without getting kind of the Stockholm effect, where you become, you know, you've been taken hostage and you start to believe in your heart of hearts that this is the only way to do it.
0: Kind of reminds me, uh, you know, do you know Adam Robinson is another kind of, I think similar kind of outside thinker that I entered into finance, um, he talks a lot also about, I think if there's something about that perspective where it's like, this is a game where you're not like emotionally intertwined or sort of lost in the experience, whereas at the same time you're learning, there's a sort of delight in it rather than working or doing labor. Uh, and even just, I'm noticing, even when you talk about that critical distance, even just the word play itself is sort of imbued with that sort of distance itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, there's a there's a lot to that. I think that that the people who are most successful in the certainly the the financial world, and I think it's true mostly for the tech world too, are at their core they like puzzles, right? They they they, they are they are puzzle solvers. Some of them like strategic puzzles, others like uh, you know I'll, I'll call them non-strategic puzzles. But but, but 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 there is that sort of of, of common denominator that sort of common thread and, and what you have with puzzle solvers is the 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 ability the attribute of stepping back of creating that distance and thinking of whatever it is you're engaging in here as that puzzle where the goal is to solve it right not to and, and there is a delight in solving a puzzle for sure yeah it's almost like the ability to be you know,
0: in a system, but also say, hey, I am in a structure and in a system rather than looking at, you know, the decorations on it in order to get kind of clear perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: I just wonder about how you think about, you know, I'm sure you encounter lots of people all the time. How do you think about making judgments and building relationships and uh, knowing who to trust, essentially?
1: So I'll say this. If it, if, 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 if it doesn't feel right to you. And in, in, in by right to you, I mean if you don't have that level of trust with the people you're with, you need to get out, right? Not not necessarily because it's not going to work, the, the, or that the work is not going to work, that you're not going to be able to solve the puzzle, um, but because the, the 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 risk to your to your career with with working with untrustworthy people is just it's mind bogglingly large. And, and and so what I'm what I'm describing to you is not kind of a touchy feely, oh you don't wanna work you wanna you wanna work with people you can trust because you know etc. No, what I am saying to you is is that from a very calculated, rational perspective, you must not work with untrustworthy people because they will blow you up at some point. And when you are associated with a blow up, you're done. You're done. If you when you're associated with a blow up because of some sort of, of, of ethics or trust issue, even if you weren't the guy doing it or the gal doing it, your career is permanently damaged. I can't tell you, I cannot tell you how many people's how many people I've seen have their careers ruined, right, because they were part of an Enron or a WorldCom. Or, you know, a galleon, you know, is a, a hedge fund, right? Or or any number of hedge funds that have that have blown up or companies that have blown up because they there was a trust problem, there was an ethics problem, and they had nothing to do with it, but you are tarred with that for the rest of your life in that industry. You've got to find a different industry. You really do. And it's and it, it is something that people say, Oh no, I'm sure it'll be fine. It ain't fine. Right. So what I'm saying is that purely from a self-preservation of uh, a career perspective, you must not work. You must not have as a partner someone who you don't trust, right, because it it, it really will blow you up.
0: It kind of speaks to, you know, you're speaking about intellectual capital, but in the same way. Uh, kind of what I hear from what you're saying is essentially having intuition and hearing that and listening to it based upon your own feelings. And when you talk about intellectual capital, in the same way, it's just sort of like experiential capital. I think uh, just knowing what you're, you know, sensing about people or knowing how that compares to other experiences uh, allows you to make, you know, those kind of clear decisions when you know it's like the fog of war. It doesn't always seem so uh, straightforward.
1: Yeah, I, I think that it's so important, particularly when you have time when you have the luxury of time, to to spend that time, right? To to, to spend that time in in building, in, in in gaining capital. Because like I say, the the most powerful thing in life is the the compounding power of capital. And that includes intellectual capital. Right? We all we all want to, you know, get the lottery ticket and and and, and make it quick and be impatient. But the, the, the three things that are that are certain in life are death, taxes, and the power of compounding capital. <laughs> you know, it, that, that, is, that is really, those are the three things that exist across time, across cultures, you name it, death, taxes, and the power of compounding capital. And that includes intellectual capital. So you know, you know, find a place where you you keep on accruing capital where you're not spending it, and and I and I promise you, it will lead to a a, a wealthy life, not just wealthy in terms of, of 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 money, although that too, but wealthy in terms of really having the, the, the secure a position in this world where you're where you're content and happy.
0: It's funny just when you say a few of these things where it sounds like, I think you're being very intentional about not trying to sound like hokey dokey or uh cliche, but that, you know, some of these lessons that learn from finance when abstracted sound like, you know, just straight wisdom that can be applied in a lot of different places. And it seems like that as you ascend to the higher kind of thinking about different kinds of things, uh, they all kind of seem to merge or some sort of kind of just rational truths behind it all.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, as what I'm, what I'm, what I'm really focused on in, in, in what I write and, in, you know, what I'm doing now is focusing on these notions of, of, of becoming a, an, an independent person. And the, the, the most, the most important part of being independent of being autonomous is having your autonomy of mind, right? That, that you are not, uh, that you, that, that, that you are not the prisoner of, of someone else's actions or someone else's beliefs, right? And, and, and to achieve that autonomy, to achieve that freedom, right, it, I, I think it's so important for you to do, and, and I think the only way to do it is, is to build that, that intellectual capital and to compound it over time. And that intellectual capital is also emotional capital. It's also, it's also making the, the smart decisions but the wise decisions, and 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 the, that and, and the reason this sounds familiar is that you know these these are you know these these are stories these are principles of behavior that you know weren't discovered you know ten years ago or a hundred years ago this this is stuff that people have been talking about for thousands of years we're no smarter today you know we're not smarter today than you know. Socrates was, I mean, shit, Socrates was smarter than any of us put together. And he's talking about the same stuff that we're talking about today. It, it's just that our, you know, it's just our technology's better. But we're the same, you know, that nothing has changed in terms of human smarts and human behavior. Absolutely nothing. It's still greed and fear, right? It's still, are you, are you, are you a free person, right? Or are you just another number? And and, and and those those conversations, have, we've been having them for, for 3,000 years and we'll have them for 3,000 more. But the, but the answers aren't going to change.
0: When you speak about autonomy of mind, you know, one thing I was thinking about before when we were talking about playing games as well was that, you know, one circumstance where it's very really difficult to really have freedom of mind is when you have no money, <laughs> right? Which is ironic because what you need yep. is money in order to think clearly to get money sometimes. But I think that – you know, from living abroad and, you know, really rural places, for example, that it's literally like if you don't know how you're going to feed yourself tomorrow or you don't know how to pay rent this month, you know, you literally, I don't think can think in a way, and I, I I mean it as it's unfair or it seems like structurally wrong, but you can't think clearly. Like you can't think about planning and things like that, not because not you're incapable or unintelligent, but because I'm just really busy trying to get fed today or trying to make, make rent this month is I think the more kind of first world uh, example
1: right on man right right on right on you know and and, and so that's why I, I think it is so important because you know here we are you know doing a, a freaking podcast right I, I mean it is it is a position of privilege we are speaking from it is right and people can say oh it's not it's not bullshit it is but I'm not going to apologize for that right and 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 the, and the people who are listening to this podcast, right, yeah, you've you've got an opportunity. Thank God, right? Where where you don't have to be, you know, forced into subsistence hunting, hunting and gathering, right? Right. So 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 don't ever allow yourself to be in that position. Don't ever allow yourself to be in that position because it's a killer. You know, I've I've been I've been rich. I've been really poor, and you know. Today I'm somewhere in between, right? And and, and, and and being poor absolutely sucks because it because it does create a subservience, right? A subservience of needs. And and and, and the, the, the goal of being a, a, a free human being does require, I think that that you you take steps from the early as he, you know from as early as you are a conscious autonomous human being, you need to be thinking about these questions so you don't and so you so you can so you can avoid it, and and work for policies to to try to make it possible for others to avoid it.
0: Sometimes I think about okay, so I'm in a privileged position. I'm on the podcasting uh, <laughs> level of society, I guess. Um, you know, are the Existing ways that things function, Uh, is that just inherent to human nature or is that some kind of structural features within either capital markets, politics, uh, or other kinds of systems that could be understood and rearranged? And I wonder, I mean, even to you, like, is that even a reasonable thing to be pursuing or is it, you know, some other kind of thing that is worth focusing on better?
1: Absolutely, it's a reasonable thing to pursue. pursue. But, But here's what I believe with all my heart, that it is a mistake to try to pursue that with a top-down approach in a mass society. Mm. Let me back up a second. I, th- I think the, the, the person who changed modern history probably the most is Napoleon, not because of, you know, battlefield this or battlefield that, right, but because of what he did domestically in France. And what Napoleon did was he invented the draft. He in, he invented it, right? The, the draft, right, making big armies of you know 200,000 people it that that idea did not exist yeah right before napoleon right
0: let's call the draft and we'll
1: get <laughs> right 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 and and so this notion of the draft and the notion of using you know uh, drafting on the basis of citizens right so it's not like going out and and you know what they used to call you know the the press right it's it's, it's not trying you know you know basically enslaving people to be your soldiers. No, we're talking about citizens and saying, no, no, it is your duty, right, to come and fight a freaking war for your country, right? So, so, so it's all tied up in this notion of nationalism. It's all tied up in this notion of mass society and industrialization. And, and, and what I would say to you is that trying to reshape or reform a society to make it more egalitarian, right? To make it more preserving of individual liberties, which includes having, you know, enough to eat and uh, enough to, you know, shelter and, and all like that. It absolutely includes all of that. The the reshaping of society of mass society from the top down. Is something that's very attractive to people. Oh, I'm going to, you know, join this political party and so 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 I will be able to get my people elected or or put together in enforce. And so from the top down I'm going to impose that. I think that always ends in tears and, and, and makes the situation worse. What I think is possible, what is absolutely possible, is to work for this from the bottoms up through a social movement, as opposed to a political party, right, to do it in a local community, to change literally the hearts and minds of the people around you and that you work with, as opposed to doing it from on high and imperiously from a top-down approach. So, you know, there's a long-winded answer to your question. Should one try to reshape and reform society in a more uh egalitarian and uh you know freedom supporting way absolutely should you do it by you know a political party and from some top-down imposition no you should you do it from a bottoms up forming a movement absolutely
0: all right sounds like ben hunt 2020
1: <laughs> there you go man that's right that's right
0: kind of to the point you know someone just reminded me someone the other day i forget who uh, who's telling me that um What's interesting about crypto, cryptocurrencies, uh, or, or blockchain, is that it's the first kind of financial product that has come, it's going to retail up, in, up to industry rather than industry products that have trickled down into finance. And A, I wonder if you think that's true, and then B, maybe more broadly, just do you think there's something fundamentally different around the way that digital assets function relative to kind of historic sorts of economic systems?
1: So The, the, the reason I am fascinated with crypto is because it is a movement. Right, it is a bottoms-up thing. It is not a top-down imposition. Right, so everything I just said about you know you need to work to change society from the bottoms up. That's what I love about crypto. That is what I love about crypto. But here's the problem: for the life of me, I, I understand it because people are involved in crypto. They want to make money, so they think oh, the way to use crypto is as money. But what I what I believe with all my heart is that is just a a colossal mistake. Because if you try to take on the state, the government, for their reason for being, the reason for being of, the, of a government is what's called seniorage, right? It's the ability to extract taxes and value from the citizens, right? That, 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 that's the whole reason you have a government. That's the reason the government exists. And so if you're going to go try and fight them on that, you're going to lose. You're going to lose, Right. And so what, what, what you've built here, this, what, I, what I think is a solution to the problem of distributed trust, which is just you know, an incredibly powerful revolution, right? A bottoms-up revolution that's possible for so many behaviors that we have as, as human animals, so many ways in which our society can be made more egalitarian and freedom-supporting. That have nothing to do with whether you are finding a replacement for money. Yeah, you know, that's 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 to me both the the great attraction of crypto, and the great you know frustration I have with it.
0: Well, to that point, I wonder. You know, I'd say at least most people currently their feeling is you know either we're in the crypto winter people call it, or you know digital assets are not uh, the hot topic of the day. In fact, I think it uh, repels people at the current moment and though I'm in this stuff, you know, day to day and see other things happening. But nevertheless, I wonder, you know, why, what do you think are the critical things that aren't working right now? I mean, you're talking about essentially this focus on just using the technology for basically creating new kinds of money and that that's not going to work. I wonder, you know, what else is getting in the way of all this potential that even, you know, senior people from academia, from finance and traditional places all the time agree, like there's something there that's meaningful. And at the same time, you know, the market cap of all cryptocurrencies right now is somewhere in the realm of 200, 300 you know, billion, which is, you know, relatively minuscule to capital markets globally. And there's all these failed projects. There's a lot of problems. And I just wonder after, you know, Bitcoin just had its 10 year anniversary this year, what needs to happen for this to,
1: to change? Well, I don't think it does change, right? So 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 what what would what would have to happen for it to change is is the same thing that would have to happen for for gold to be, you know, a a a true currency again, which is that you'd have to have a total you know breakdown of the existing fiat currency system. Can that happen? I suppose. If that happens, I could give a fuck about owning Bitcoin. I want to own seeds and ammunition, right? Right, so so the 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 big problem that I think crypto has is that they've said, oh, we're we're not going to be a you know a a, a a real currency for trading. Well, that's okay. We'll be digital gold, right? We'll, we'll be digital gold. That's that's the. New. We'll be a store of value, and we'll be the digital version of gold. And you know what the problem with that is? Then you just end up like all the other grumpy grandpas who are gold bugs, right? You know, i got to tell you, it's a miserable way to live. I'm very sympathetic to the view. I'm very, I'm very sympathetic to the view, right, that, that gold has value and that it's, you know, there, there's so much bullshit that goes on with uh, the fiat system of, of currency and the like. I get it. I get it, right? But what I'm telling you is it is a miserable and sad way to go through life to always be hoping for the end of everything. You're, you you end up hoping for the destruction of the financial system because that's what's going to prove you right. It's crazy. It's just a miserable way to go through life. And so what I'm saying is that they're, they're, it's so important to have a positive view, an, an advancing view of, of, of where you can apply your smarts and your technology and your intellectual capital to move forward rather than being saying – oh, golly, you know, you you just wait, you know, you whippersnapper until it all comes, you know, tumbling down, then then I'll be laughing then.
0: Give me a break. You were talking about how you guys did well during the uh, 08 financial crash. And, yeah. you know, there's some shared view there with a gold bug that like, hey, things don't seem perfect in the world. But it seems that in remaining engaged in the way that kind of you have or remaining with a hedge fund or actively engaging in that and then finding where the opportunity is is very different than just, you know going into your bunker and waiting for your doomsday
1: yeah look I, I mean since since 08 everyone and his brother and his sister has been looking for the next big trade right the next big thing to crack and break so they can make a killing right you know that they can see what's coming when everyone else no one else did and you know that <laughs> Again, it's 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 so. Um, look, I get it. I, I I mean, I was there for it. I you know, and I I know how enticing that is. It's a great freaking feeling, right? When you're making money and you know, and no one else is. The problem is that there comes a day, and I remember this day really vividly. It was the day when Lehman went under. When it stopped being fun. Yeah. When it when it when it was like, oh shit, you know, I I knew I I just won that bet I made, but but who's going to pay me off on my bet? And you think to yourself. Oh yeah, I'll show them then. I'll have the last laugh when everything comes unglued. You know what? When when things really do become unglued, or when it looks like things can become seriously and permanently broken, it it ain't fun anymore. I'll, I'll promise you that. It's no fun anymore.
0: It reminds me of the book at Like there's a part of Siddhartha where he becomes a merchant and he becomes wealthy, mm-hmm. um, and you know. I once, I have a good friend, Jason, who I was going through a like, frustrated time. I didn't know what I was doing. And he was saying, This is just your time to be engaged in the world, and that that's much more satisfying than uh, I'm just going to sit in a cave and be all knowing and you know, by myself or something and write, except in an abstracted world that's not relative to our real context. And so it's funny from what you're saying, having this critical distance, but at the same time remaining attached to this, this real world.
1: Alex, we can be in the world, but not of the world. We really can. We can be in the world, but not of the world. And there are there are lots of us out there. And 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 I and I think so. What's so important is to to, to find that critical mass of people who are maintaining that critical distance, who are in the world but not of the world, who are who are successful without without being corrupt. And they're there. They exist. They're everywhere. But you got to find them. You got to find them. And you got to work with them and partner with them. And I think, you know, that's
0: one thing that I think attracts people probably to Epsilon Theory. And, you know, I try to tell my team all the time is like, don't try to be every single thing for every single person, be your thing. And you're going to attract that thing back to you rather than just, you know, selling what other people will buy. Right on. So I know we're wrapping up here. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I wonder if there's any last thoughts you want to leave us with or other things you want to tell us about you're working on. I would love to hear.
1: We've covered it all. I mean, I really like how we ended up here, Alex. And, 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 it, and I, I started writing on Theory almost six years ago because I was in a pretty dark place. And, and, and that place was, yeah, we had killed it in 08 and 09. And, you know, starting in 2011, or really starting in 2009, our hedge fund, we just flatlined. You know, we never lost money for clients, um, which I'm really proud of. But you know what we were doing didn't work anymore, and 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 so 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 you know we gave all the money back to clients in 2011, which was you know from a personal finances point of view was a really you know hard and probably stupid thing to do. But you know from a from a life perspective it, it was it was honestly the best thing I ever did, because I I started writing and really trying to figure it out. Well, what what does work today? And it's so important to to always be thinking to yourself. Well, you know. I, I've got to improve. i've got I've got to figure out what's happening now. and that that really started me on this 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 journey of trying to to write and figure it out. And along the way, I've met and you know formed this community of you know tens of thousands of people who are in the world but not of the world who are who are truth seeking people. and we're all just trying to figure it out and and, and, and knowing now knowing that, that that so many people in the world, are like that right that they're, they're we we don't share politics you know we don't have the same politics we don't have the same geography we don't have the same gender we don't have the same age but what unites us is this we're trying to figure this shit out and we're going to do it in an authentic true way and and that, that's that been the most uplifting thing in my life and it's something that I think can give everyone a lot of hope
0: well, I certainly know it uh, attracted me and you know our side at Tonic Capital uh to come reach out to you in the first place. So uh, keep up with what you're doing because it's uh, much
1: needed. Well, thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: It's great. Thanks so much. So Overall, what I took from the conversation with Ben was how nice it is to speak with someone who's open-minded and holds their own opinions but also is clearly listening and thinking about things as they go. I think it's a difficult balance often. You know, I think Ben comes from a background in academics and traditional finance. Um, And though I've worked in some traditional finance as well as despise academia, I still really enjoyed speaking with him. I think that especially being uh, of a different generation, there's much to learn from Ben. And I think that especially in the blockchain space or capital market space, people are very ambitious around, oh, we're going to rechange everything. And realizing that there's a process and that people have come before trying to do this uh, is certainly humbling and also helps me to about uh, what these people have to say I really enjoyed his thinking about coming from a bottom-up approach to systems change whereas I think it's easy to think in the abstract and then do nothing but how do you start from a concrete example and expand what's working into other places and influence in that way Um, I also liked the aspect of death taxes and compounding interest um, words to live by you know the last thing I would say is just that Ben also speaks a lot about intellectual capital, and at one point uh, mentioned the idea of compounding intellectual capital, which gave me pause or uh, some time to think about, which was kind of like a spiral staircase, I guess. If you're learning and moving up that spiral staircase, the things you learned are amplified in an exponential manner from what you're adding to it. And I think as you build a framework to understand knowledge in a way Ben clearly has that uh, those things become more valuable and fit into a larger puzzle in a more efficient way. Um, Certainly a lot to chew on in this piece and really thankful to get uh, Ben's time for it.